Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Holy wisdom, holy word. Good morning. Will you join me in prayer? Startle us, O God, with the grace and peace and love of your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In these early weeks of 2024, we've been talking about the theme, Becoming Jesus. It's a sermon series on stories from early in the life and ministry of Jesus. Today, we are shifting from the focus we've had in the first several weeks on Jesus' own preparations for his ministry toward what it is like to be on the receiving end of Jesus' early ministry. We'll be talking today about the calling of his first disciples and how that took place and what it might mean for you and for me. Before we get into that, I'm going to start with one example of why thinking about this might be important today. I wonder if any of you thought, saw this story earlier in the week. Elmo, yes, that's Elmo from Sesame Street, Elmo posted a question on his social media. The post read, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Well, the newsworthy part of this story was that tens of thousands of people responded, mostly to let Elmo know what a hard time they've been having in 2024. The last time I looked, which was several days ago, there were more than 150,000 posts. A lot of the posts were things like, Elmo, every Monday I cannot wait for Friday to come. And Elmo, I'm at my lowest, but thanks for asking. The responses spurred Elmo to make an additional post about the importance of mental health and caring for one another. And the fact that the post went viral landed Elmo a spot on the Today Show later in the week where comedian Larry David was on on the same day and attacked Elmo on the show, I guess because he objected to sitting through mental health advice offered by a puppet. <laughs> and I can understand that. 
and also indicates that maybe Larry David is having a hard time himself, <laughs> and the story continues to develop. Well, I don't have any sermon-related commentary on that story itself, except for this, and here I'm much more serious. What a clear indication that people are crying out for help. A lot of folks are struggling. You've, you've certainly read in other places or probably experienced yourself that there is a real crisis in mental health all around us. And whether the needs are related to grief or exhaustion, worries about politics or of wars or hunger and poverty, refugee crises or gun violence, or the many personal struggles we experience with jobs or families or loneliness, or just our sense of helplessness because we can't fix all these things, well, people are hurting and stressed and feeling helpless and hopeless and need to get unstuck and have a fresh start or a new beginning. When it comes to big, important struggles like these, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't lay any of them at the feet of Elmo. But if our faith is worth anything, we ought to be able to bring questions about these things to God. And in the story we read this morning, I see that going on in the way Jesus calls his disciples. So I thought we'd spend some time talking about that. We're going to look at this story with an eye toward what might have caused the disciples and what might cause modern-day disciples like you and me, what, what caused them to follow Jesus? And my hunch is that they were struggling. Something about the world that surrounded them or their own personal struggles made them ready for something new. And it is at that moment that Jesus shows up. The thing that fascinates me in this story is that it shows both an amazing challenge that Jesus puts before us, and at the same time, tremendous grace and acceptance. Let's take a closer look at the story so that I can tell you about what I mean. The story is a familiar one to some of us. Jesus is walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee one day, and he recruits his first four disciples. Simon and Andrew, James and John, they are fishermen. He invites them to follow him and fish for people, or in the translation many of us learned, as children come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The story is memorable not just because of that funny turn of phrase, but because of how bizarre the whole story is. Jesus approaches, makes his invitation, makes it with no incentives or explanation of any kind. Just follow me. And they go. They go. And the narrator, Mark, uses the term immediately all the time, and he uses it here. He says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
A commentary I read said, you can fairly well see Zebedee, their father, standing in the boat, holding the nets in total disbelief. There's no discussion of where they are going or how long they will be gone. or how. There's no negotiating terms of inheritance with the father or the boat they are leaving behind or anything else of that kind. Mark intentionally tells the story to make the point that immediately they go without any hesitation. And the intention is for the person hearing the story, for you or for me, to see that Jesus says, follow me, with such authority that the offer is irresistible. It is so hard to understand what could have motivated these disciples to go. But in going back to where I started with that story about the state of things these days, I have to assume that they followed because they needed to. They were feeling stuck and hopeless, and he offered them a way forward in life. And that makes me want to look deeper into this story for what else might be going on. Thinking about the way that these disciples follow without hesitation, the great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer made an interesting point. Many of us, he said, assume that we would follow Jesus more closely if only we had more faith. The idea here is that if we had more time to consider, to believe, to pray, to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus into our lives, if we had more time to witness the miracles and hear the teachings for ourselves, if we had just a little more faith, then we would do whatever he commands. But this story, Bonhoeffer says, tells us that quite the opposite is true. These disciples just go. They follow entirely without question, and they do so without any preparation. They follow, and that is how they will learn faith. They follow, and that is how their lives will change. So Bonhoeffer says that is what you and I should do If we're wondering how to have more faith, how to find hope, how to get our lives unstuck, don't spend time navel-gazing and wondering what it would be like, what it could be like. Follow Jesus. Do what he says. Live the way he tells us to live, and your life will be transformed. Don't think about it. Give it a try. So the challenge is set before us. And the next thing that comes is, of course, the excuses. We say to ourselves, I cannot do as they have done. There's no way I can leave behind all my other obligations and abandon everything and everyone I love. And even if I thought I could, I would fail. There's no way I can do it like those disciples. If following Jesus has to look like that, I cannot. And on that point, I'm with you. 
In fact, I think we've got to acknowledge that in this story, it is the human Jesus of Nazareth standing right there in front of them. And for people like us, not faced by the person, the reality of this story is somehow different. So what do we make of it? If one has to drop everything and physically leave in order to follow Jesus, then honestly, I'm not even sure what that would look like. And in light of all of this, I'm going to share another insight on this story that may surprise you. And this is where not just the challenge, but the grace comes into this story. And to understand this point, we have to back up a bit to the way the story starts. If you take a look in your Bible, one of the ones there in your pew rack, or most of the ones that you have at home, there are these headings that modern editors have put before each part of the stories in the Bible. At the beginning of this story, the heading always says something like, Jesus calls the first disciples. The modern heading calls them disciples. But in the story itself, the original text, Jesus does not use that word, and neither does Mark use it as the narrator. The word disciple only comes up later in the book, after they've decided to follow him. Disciple is a word that doesn't come up a whole lot of other places either, and so, points out theologian Bill Plaker, you really only find out what a disciple is by seeing what these followers do once they have gone with him. And the story of what the disciples do, how they will behave, is where the surprise comes in. Because dropping everything to go and follow Jesus is quite an impressive act of faith. But just about everything else these people will do is not. Not impressive, not faithful, not wise. Mark, the storyteller, goes to great lengths to make it clear that the disciples do not get it when it comes to a life of following Jesus. That they mess up and misunderstand and fail on all kinds of occasions. In fact, after laying the groundwork of that theme with most of the other disciples, Mark singles out the same two sons of Zebedee we met in this story, James and John. And in Mark 10, where we're nearing the end of Jesus' ministry with the disciples, they are the ones who come to Jesus and ask, can we sit at your left and your right when you come in glory and triumph? And Jesus, knowing that that is not at all the way that his human life is going to end, Jesus takes the opportunity yet again to correct them, saying, whoever wishes to be great must become a servant, and whoever wishes to be first must be a slave of all. James and John and all of the disciples don't get it. They don't understand. They're not models of faithfulness and devotion. And yet we know from the story that these are Jesus' closest and dearest friends. These are his disciples. These confused and struggling people.
So what we have in this story is this odd mix of a great and high calling, an immense challenge that requires no hesitation and no compromise and utter devotion, which is followed by a story of repeated failure to deliver. Which is why, as I said earlier, I find this story to be one of tremendous challenge and tremendous grace. Because Jesus knows our doubts and our failures and our lack of faith very well. And yet he keeps on inviting us to follow. Keeps on receiving us just as we are and keeps on inviting us to try again. As for the way I started with that reference to Elmo and the more serious acknowledgement that so many of us are looking for help, well, the story of Jesus that is beginning to unfold, it may be exactly what so many of us need. An offer for a new beginning, a new direction, a new way of life. An invitation to follow with no need to prepare first. To do something powerful and important and transformative with your life. Something that will be healing and wise and meaningful by being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the permission as you begin that life to fail as many times as you need to and to know that you will be invited to get up and dust yourself off and to try once again. For it is in that invitation and that permission that we find rest and healing and hope and a beginning. This is what the story of Jesus wants to teach us. So keep coming back because we will talk more about what this kind of discipleship looks like. Thanks be to God. Amen.